Welcome to The Sovereign CEO, a podcast where we explore what it really means to become powerful beyond measure. Expect to hear incredible stories about possibility, creativity, business, self-mastery, and of course, the great awakening. I'm here to be your hype girl, to give you strategic tools that help you win, and to shed a light on things that you really need to know. Let's work on mastering your mindset and mastering your mission so you can build an empire, live a purpose-driven life, and create more freedom within it, no matter what the world around you is doing. Everybody, welcome to the show. I have a new announcement, something that I'm working on that really needs your attention. So you guys probably know who Kristen Nagel is. Kristen Nagel was one of the first nurses, one of the first people that really started publicly taking a stand against mandates and lockdowns and masks and all the things. Of course, there were many. Um, but I personally, I feel like she was a really pivotal person in this movement. Um, outrageously brave, a neonatal nurse, mother of three, very, very aware of the harm of the health policies that they were enforcing on each and every one of us. And I want you to pay attention to this because Kristen has been on the front lines since 2021. Um, literally on the front lines of the convoy, you know, holding hands and praying for people with uh, policemen in battery gear uh, half an inch away from her face, literally the front lines. Um, she risked her career, her reputation, her safety, her finances, literally everything for Canada. And I hope none of us ever forget what people like Kristen did. Now, I know that there are a lot of people in Canada that are struggling right now. I know that there are a lot of people in legal battles. I understand that these are outrageous times. These are scary times. I feel like Kristen's almost a uh, canary in the coal mine, if you will, a whistleblower, because while a lot of the world has moved on, Kristen is still facing this mountain that she has to deal with. And just this last month, the Emergencies Act was deemed illegal, unconstitutional. Yet after that, Kristen is continued, uh, continuing to be hit with gargantuan fines that are nearing almost $100,000 now that she has faced, that she has to face all by herself right now. And I want to bring this to your attention because as the world has moved on, she is still dealing with this. And this isn't just about Kristen. This is about all of us. This is about all of us. You know, one of her finds, by the way, if you're curious what her finds are for, one was going to church on Easter Sunday. Uh, another one was organizing a peaceful protest. And yeah, we're looking at almost six figures now in fines. And 
even after this announcement that the Emergencies Act is in fact unconstitutional, illegal, the most heinous crime our prime minister could commit, the court is hammering down on Kristen. Why? Why? Because they want to make an example out of her. That's the point. They want to make an example out of her. So no one ever dares again to dissent. And it's for that reason why I want to bring this to your attention. They want to make an example out of her. We need to show them that we will never allow that. Because if we allow Kristen to bear this burden on her own, we're letting them win. We're letting them win that argument. Do you want to live in a world where doctors and nurses are too scared to tell you the truth? Where they will just give you things that are harmful or poisonous against their better judgment because they're they're afraid that they will be fined, beaten, jailed? Is that the world that you want to live in? Do you want to live in a world where your children will forever be terrified of standing up for what's right because they will be jailed, because they will be fined, because they will be persecuted? That's not the world that I am choosing to live in. And I think we have a real opportunity here. So what you're going to see here in the very new future is a bunch of us have linked arms and we are creating a massive $5 campaign for Kristen. We're making it a $5 campaign because we understand that so many people are struggling. And we want you to know how far your $5 is going to stretch because we're all going to do it. And of course, anything extra is going to help anyone else in the similar circumstance. But we want to bind together, united in arms, and we want to tell this government loudly that we're not afraid, that we will never be afraid, that this movement is based in love and unity and truth, and we will never, ever stand down. I really hope that you will support me in this campaign. It's going to a very good cause. Stay tuned to our social channels. There's going to be some videos that you guys can share that we've collaborated on with a bunch of really amazing humans. And in the show notes here today is going to be a link for Kristen's GoFundMe. Let's show Kristen that her bravery was worth it. And let's show this government that we will not allow them to persecute government workers like this ever again, that we the people are not afraid, that we the people are united in arms, and we're taking Canada back. How does that sound? So check the show notes. Please, please, please donate $5. Share that link with everyone that you know. And let's take a stand. I truly believe this is a pivotal moment especially with the announcements of the Emergencies Act. Let's take action on this together, united as one front, saying, never again, we're not scared of you. Canada's ours. <laughs> Today I am interviewing another amazing freedom fighter. Her name is Shay Invidiata. She is called the Freedom CEO. 
She's an investor, a real estate mogul. She, I think I said that word weird. (laughs) She has a real estate company. Uh, She helps people relocate to Costa Rica. She sells uh, real estate over there. We talk about gold and silver in this podcast. We talk about leaving Canada. We talk about um, becoming stronger and more free within Canada. Um, also our, our shared health journey, uh, I actually met Shay, um, because of my explant story and she very generously helped me through that process. Um, this podcast is all about power. It's all about freedom and it's all about money in the best way possible. I think you guys are going to dig it. And this episode is brought to you by The Sovereign CEO. The Sovereign CEO is my private group coaching community for awake and freedom-minded businesses. I teach you everything that you need to have a thriving online business from your mindset to manifestation to very practical strategic things that you need today, like how to sell, how to create content that connects, how to launch, how to create an offer suite, uh, things that, you know, business school, honestly, it's not going to teach you. It's not going to teach you. So if you are looking for like-minded community that is very, very awake, but future focused, get in here. We have a next level course that we are building right now. It's soon to be released, a uh, foundational self-mastery course. I coach in there every single week. Uh, I also offer you monthly content creation sessions where in one half day, you can literally create all the content that you're going to need for the entire month. Who would like that? And I bring in the very best experts in self and business mastery. There's so much more to our container, but um, I don't want to run ads for this entire podcast. Uh, I'm also sponsored by TWC, the wellness company. They stand up unequivocally for medical freedom. They are made up of awake doctors and pharmacists. Um, They have a long list of really science-backed supplements. They try and get people off of pharmaceuticals wherever possible and onto better health plans. And last but not least, you've heard me talk about gold and silver a lot. We're going to touch on this in this podcast as well. If you are not already stacking your money with gold and silver at least part of it it might be something that you want to check into ASAP I've been with this company for a while love them they're very awake they speak to all the things that are going on and they have some really practical easy solutions for you they can also do things that the physical stores just can't so uh, check out the show notes I'd love to have this conversation with you. I just really want more people in Canada feeling confident and courageous and taking their power back by way of their money. All right, guys, let's get into the show. Um, Sorry, a little bit longer of an intro than normal, but uh, let's hear my conversation with Shay. All right, everyone, welcome to The Sovereign CEO. Today, I'm talking with Shay Invidiata. Shay, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Carla. <laughs> I nailed my last name. She got it perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Just before we started recording, I was asking Shay how I pronounce your last name. And lucky for me, she's got a magazine behind her that has her uh, real estate company with her name on it. So I was literally reading that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I love that. Oh, um, so I've been on Shay's podcast, but you guys might not be familiar uh, with her. We we met like most human beings do in 2024 on on the internet. We have some mutual friends. 
Um, and it's funny, we, we work together now. Um, I'm very much involved in, in Chase space and vice versa, but the thing that we actually connected on, um, was my, my explant story. And, and Shay was one of the very generous, wise women that kind of helped me through that process. Yeah. I really appreciate that about you. Thank you. Oh, it was my pleasure. You know, I always, I always feel that this is a topic and it's, uh, it's not easy for a lot of women to actually be open about or even question. And so the women that are, I'm just like, it, it actually makes my heart smile to be able to like have these conversations, you know, with like no shame, no judgment. And so, you know, when you reached out to me, it was like an easy yes. I'm like, what do you want to know? I'll tell you everything and anything. And, you know, um, and we need that because it's, it's not easy, you know, and I, I know I've shared with you before, it was the simple hardest decision I ever needed to make for me personally. You know, I didn't want to remove my implants. I loved it. I loved how my body looked. Um, and so it was hard but it was a really simple decision to make when really looking within and going how it's impacting not just your health, but also like your mental health as well. Right. Cause you've got neurotoxins and carcinogens and obviously that affects hormones and mood and all of the things. And so um, I love seeing more women being courageous and just simply asking the question whether they decide whatever they're going to do after that, you know, is your own prerogative. But I think when we ask good questions, that's when big changes happen in our lives. And so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was so great to connect with you on that. And that, well, and maybe that, and now we're friends. So maybe that's just how things materialize, right? Like that was a total cold reach out. I don't know, actually know if I've ever talked about that on the podcast I have in my content, um, but yeah, I just cold reached out to you because you were talking about it and um, it it was so helpful and I've since been able to do the same for a whole bunch of women. They've been reaching out to me and I've been talking them through it and it's so nice to be on the other side of it. I actually haven't told you like how I've been feeling on the other side, which is I'm a totally different person. I feel different physically emotionally, sexually, spiritually, I feel like a brand new person. Um, my thinking is so crystal clear. I was getting really, really foggy headed. And I was like, Oh, it's just ADHD. Oh, you're getting older. New person there. I'm, I'm very surprised how much I love my new body and feel good in my skin, even though things aren't perfect. You know, like they're never going to be perfect, but I feel great, like better than ever. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know, maybe it's just because it really is just like the greatest act of self-love to totally. put like your health before your aesthetics. Um, I just feel really good about myself now. I love that. I love that. And also too, I'll say, you know, that's not everybody's experience coming out on the other side. And like, that's also okay. You know, yeah. um, I'll say like right now I've, had two consultations to getting a fat transfer done because I'm kind of in this space of it's been two years and I didn't want to make any emotional decisions of this transformation of your body and settling into this new body. And, you know, everybody's scars quite literally and metaphorically are different and impact each of us different. My scars are no joke. And it, and that's been, for me, the heart, the hardest part, I would say is, you know, like mm -hmm. my scars. 
Um, and so right now I'm going just through those motions. I'm just asking the question. I'm not making any decisions, but um, it's something I've been thinking about more and more. And so rather than ignore that and be like, I'm totally fine. I'm strong the way that I am. I'm beautiful and sexy the way that I am, which is true. Yeah. I'm like also leaning into that discovery and going, yeah. you know, what does that look like? What's the health impact of that? You know, is there one? And, um, and like, that's also okay. You know, and I only share my side right now, vulnerably, I guess, for women to know that, you know, I love when I hear women like you sharing how they're feeling. And I have another girl that I interviewed on my podcast that is like the same thing. She was like, I'm in the small Tata club and I love it. And I love my body and I'm like healthy and I'm not going to die. And like, you know, she's so happy. Yeah. And I love that for her. She's also married as are you. And I don't know if, if there's more, um, sometimes security, but it can also be more nerve wracking, right. On that side too, because your husband was used to one thing and there's that change. But, um, for me on the other side where it was like, I was single and mm-hmm. then, you know, I was really afraid and nervous of like the first time I'm going to be intimate with someone. And, uh, now, you know, I do have a boyfriend and even actually talk about getting raw and vulnerable, <laughs> um, because I shared, I've had two consultations And he literally said to me last night, I support you 100%, whatever you want to do, as long as you're not doing any of it for me. Like, Mm -hmm. I love you the way you are. I wouldn't change anything about you. But if you want to go through with it, I support it 100%. If you don't, I also support it 100%, you know? And so I'm blessed that I am with a partner that actually like honors and sees me and, you know, wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. And I also recognize that that's not everybody, every woman's story. And so, you know, I just, I like, I'm sharing that just in case there's needed permission for like other women to be feeling something different because that's okay. Yeah. You know, and I think it's sometimes a roller coaster. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And lucky for us, there are so many non toxic options. Yes. Um, And you're right. Like marriage, yes, made it easier, but also I've had two babies there are lots of things on my body that are not perfect. So, so I think that's not new to me. And that's something that I've had to grapple with years ago. I think that's been really helpful. I'm like, just add it to the plate. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. True. It is true. You know, but yeah, I'm so, so proud of you for, for going through it and like sharing your story. And, you know, again, I like, I, and it's not even just about this, but this is such a, um, a unique, example of the power of each of our stories you know and when we open up and we share some of the hardest most vulnerable sides of us that we think could separate us from people it's actually what unites and connects us you know and you had mentioned that's actually Mm -hmm. how we met and now you're also meeting and connecting with women that you might not otherwise connect with or at least not on such a deep level because it is so intimate and it is so personal and vulnerable and raw and all of the things um and, and it's uniquely yours. So a hundred percent. Yeah. Well, you started that for me and and now it's, it's kind of neat being, I feel like I'm in this like gang of like really rad, super tough women that have like all gone through this now. It, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it is really important that we talk about these things. So thank you for being the first one that kind of put the bug in my ear about it. You're welcome. <laughs> 
Um, so, but I know who you are. The, there are some people listening to the podcast that maybe don't know who you are beyond this. So yes, you you were someone that was advocating for, for health and personal freedom in this way, but um, you're also an investor, a realtor, a podcaster, um, a human rights activist. Can um, you give us a little bit of your backstory for people that maybe don't know who Shay is? Sure. Um, well, I'm from Toronto, just outside of Toronto originally. And uh, during COVID, I uh, moved to Costa Rica as Canada became a country that didn't align with my values and principles anymore. I just kind of saw the writing on the wall and I wanted to be in a place that was free, free body autonomy, freedom of speech, freedom of movement, freedom of expression, all of the things. And a lot of that... Um, at my core, freedom is not just like one of my values, but it is like one of my absolute pillars in life. And when I was 18, I moved to Hawaii to start my university education. And it's a much longer story, but that's where I was confronted with this issue of human trafficking. And since I was 18, and that was back in 2003, you know, I have, which is basically 20 years, which is wild. I have been, we're just over that you know, 20, yeah, 21 years, I have been fighting the issue of slavery, of exploitation, of, um, you know, slavery of movement, and talk about body autonomy and all of those things. And so um, I'm very much known as a freedom fighter. And we've amended the, the criminal code in Canada federally three times changing legislation to protect victims of human trafficking in Canada. Um, we've helped to rescue over 500 victims in Canada as well, nationwide. And it's an issue that most people think only happens either overseas or if it's happening in Canada, it's it's immigrants that are coming in. And although that does happen and is true, over 87% of victims in Canada are Canadian. So it's a homegrown problem that we have here. And it's why my work with Freedom has always been focused in Canada, although we do support projects in India and also the Philippines. And so, you know, that being like a lifelong dedication, and it's all volunteer work as well, I'll, I'll add. Um, we're a nonprofit that is volunteer based. So we all have our own careers and vocations. And, you know, the real estate life is what pays my bills and all of the things. Um, but having fought that fight for so long in Canada, and then when COVID came along, it was like, holy shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you know, we're the most free nation, one of them on the planet. And yet we're moving into such a tyrannical movement, you know, regime that just should has no place in our country. And so that that brought me to looking elsewhere to Costa Rica as freedom and better lifestyle. And I, as you know, you mentioned earlier, health and wellness is a huge part of my life and toxic free living and chemical free living. And Costa Rica just started to check off a lot of those boxes. And, um, and then on the real estate side, I've also been working down in Costa Rica for almost 12 years. Now I have affiliates there and uh, I've never been there for work or sorry, for vacation. I've only ever been to Costa Rica for work. And so this was like the first time I was going down to like, look at properties, I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to be doing. And I'm going to do real estate in Toronto and Canada and back and forth from Costa Rica. Um, and for the period of time, I could not, I didn't leave Costa Rica for about two years um, and didn't really come back to Canada in that time. 
And yeah, and then real estate is, that is my main, my main gig, you know, uh, luxury real estate is what we're known for. And uh, we're based in Toronto uh, and GTA. And mm -hmm. I've been in it for now 15 years, long, long time. <laughs> yeah. Let, let's circle back to free them. Cause you sure. said, let, you said that a lot of people don't understand that this is like also a, a North American problem. Um, you know, my husband just watched The Sound of Freedom and they have that stat that says uh, there are more slaves now than at any other time in history. Like that, that, that blew his mind that that is what was going on. Was there something about that that triggered your intuition when everything started like locking down here? Because you said something about, um, yeah, like most people don't realize that people's freedoms are being lost here right now. Is there something about that that made you more aware of what was gonna go down in, in 2020, like a vulnerability? Well, I mean, there's there were so many things. Like, um, I mean, I was one of those people from, I'm gonna say day five, not day one, but like day five when, I was supposed to be going to Miami and they and, and the whole world shut down. And it was like, you know, because of this like virus and this flu and I just didn't buy it. I didn't buy it. And it just didn't make sense to me um, how everything was being orchestrated. And so from the beginning, I had my spidey senses up and I was really questioning everything that was coming out. And I also then started to pay attention to what was not being published in um, in mainstream media and looking at things like um, if you look up the ticker on on the stock exchange, it's called SIGA, S-I-G-A. And I think it was in June, for those of you listening, don't quote me, but I think mm -hmm. it was in like May or June of 2020 that the Canadian government decided to employ and gave a contract to SIGA for smallpox vaccines. And they spent something like a hundred million, $200 million of our taxpayer money on a disease that's been eradicated from the planet for well over 50, 60 years. So that for me was like a huge question mark. I was like, why, why would they spend money in such a hot, like, not like, we're not talking like thousands of hundreds and thousands, you're talking hundreds of millions of dollars that mm -hmm. they're spending in the event of what? And so that's where I really started to question like everything that was coming out. I also was like, I'm going to play the game. I invested money into Seager because I was like, yo, they're going to do something and this stock is going to skyrocket, which mm -hmm. fast forward, when I bought the stock, I think it was at $2. It's sitting now at about five, but you'll remember we all remember last whatever it was fall when monkeypox came on the scene that skyrocketed up to like $25 a share and even still there's um there's another ticker which I won't bore you guys with it but there's another ticker we can put it in the show notes if you really want it where the United States government and Canada they were the only two different companies that have been contracted for the smallpox vaccine as of last year because of the the monkey pox so there was like things like this this is just one example that is like been carried through to fruition and continues to go that just really had me going what 
what is going on here and whatever we're being told is all BS. And seeing little by little that this was really around control and instilling fear. And when you're able to accomplish both of those, you literally are able to control the future of people, you know? And so when you gain the mind, like there's a quote by Hitler, um, I usually tell it in reverse, but there's a quote that says, he who gains the mind of the youth owns the future. And that's Hitler. And you think of the destruction that he was able to do and both can be served for good or evil, right? Like you can do that on the good side, and if you are pumping in beautiful things and positive things, you're able to liberate the planet and you're able to raise the vibration of the planet, you know, and have that collective. So you, you see it on both sides, but seeing what I was seeing, um, in early, like in, in 2020, like around the summertime and how things were being manipulated and the fear tactics and the control, and then paralleling it with my world of human trafficking around how you exploit people, how you can control them, how you manipulate them, how you coerce them, how you lure them. Um, it, it just did not sit well with me. And so I, um, I started making my own escape plans, mm-hmm. you know, and, and taking precautions and hoping that you don't ever need to use them. But if you do, you're ready to go. I always say to people, whenever you need a plan B and an escape plan, if you don't already have that in place, you're screwed. And no different than, and I'm sure we'll talk about this too, around acquiring gold and silver. You know, for me, it's an insurance policy. And by the time you realize you need an insurance policy, and if you don't have it, you're fucked, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you don't have insurance and then you do need it, you're not getting it, right? Mm-hmm. Like no insurance company is going to give you insurance when you actually need it if you didn't have it before. And so in, and you mentioned before, like me growing up in real estate, I have real estate. I have diversification in my own portfolio. And so part of that was precious metals. And that was like pre-COVID. And then as, as I was looking at everything that was happening, I got more and more like, I need to acquire gold and silver that I can also move. That's not bullion. That's not coins. I'm wearing 24 karat on my, on my wrist, on my finger. I wear it every single day. Um, I do have our 7K coins as well. And I, I, I mm-hmm. also, but that's where for me this journey started well before you and I even got connected into 7k mm. you know so little by little I started taking precautions as to like what I could do without being capped and this is why I always say to people when you make decisions from a place of of empowerment even though you might the uncertainty of the future might bring you um some fear or you might be afraid you're not making irrational decisions because you're you're in a calm state as you're preparing and you hope that you don't need it, right? But I always say like, expect the worst and hope for the best, <laughs> you yeah. know? So that for me, that's what 2020 was, was like mapping out like mm-hmm. food, water solutions, currency, AKA buying gold and silver more, looking mm-hmm. at property outside of this country, and really paying attention to the government, how the government was spending their money, where were they spending it? And uh, it did not, it did not sit well with me. So I knew we were coming into something um, that was far greater than what they were leading on. Um, and obviously you and I share the same views on the 2030 agenda. And it's very clear once you're in, mm-hmm. and then they're showing you like, that is the other thing. I remember the days, oh, yeah. I don't think we weren't <laughs> quite there yet, Carla. 
But I remember the days where in 2020, me talking about the WEF and people thinking I was fucking nuts. Like yeah. literally like World Economic Forum. And they're like, you're such a conspiracy theorist. I'm like, it's literally, it's public. Like it's just Google it. It's still even on Google. Like this is not my opinion, you know? And now it's like the mainstream media, just that's all they talk about now, you know? And Klaus Schwab's, mm-hmm. it's like, they're not hiding it anymore. They don't need to. And yeah, so it it was, it was a bit wild. And, you know, I think 2020, just even going back to like some of your questions around the human trafficking, we saw like in, in May till about July, there was this influx of human trafficking that was taking place. And I think first time really globally in my lifetime anyways, well, never mind my lifetime in, in, in the world in general, because we went from slavery And that was the word. It was like slavery. And then that was abolished. And so because we have legislation to abolish slavery, we all, and I say all generically, but the vast majority of humans on the planet think it doesn't exist anymore because it's abolished and it's outlawed. Mm -hmm. And as much as it's been outlawed, it's never gone away. It just looks very different, right? It's not having blacks serving whites and being slaves for what we see or people being shipped on boats very publicly coming across oceans, but they are still being shipped in containers that we don't see. And they show up from different parts of the world to different parts of the world. And now we have this huge word called human trafficking, which much of the world has been trying to figure out like, what is it? What does it define the legislation around it? Because we have legislation for slavery, but for not for human trafficking. And that was one of our battles that we've been doing for the last 14 years in this country was to amend the criminal code so that we can put in the word human trafficking. So we can prosecute, so we can defend, so we can arrest and all of the things. And so in that early period of of COVID, you just, you, you saw this influx of human trafficking being talked about because people were desperate and freaking out and depressed and not making money. And so then all of this other stuff started happening um Mm -hmm. and then that was more of the conspiracy talk and it's like well this doesn't even happen and it's like Mm -hmm. no it it really does happen you know landlords saying if you can't pay rent this is what you're going to have to do if you want to stay in the house right Mm -hmm. like that is a form of trafficking you know it's not trafficking maybe how we think it but when you're exploiting somebody and living off of the avails that's that's human trafficking yeah it it breeds from desperation So maybe yes, opportunity, but also, yeah, desperation. So the worse the world gets, the more we're going to see a spike in this kind of like horrendous crime, which is what worries me when I look at markets and economies in the world is it is getting more and more desperate. So we are going to see more of this kind of thing. What's interesting to me when you told the story too, it wasn't necessarily the human trafficking that made you start paying attention. Um, it was actually your career in like not finance, but as an investor, because what do you do as an investor? What do you do as a, a realtor? You watch very carefully for the beginnings of trends, totally. whether it's in the real estate market or like you said, you were looking at at stocks and you said something really valuable for the audience there. This is one thing that drives me absolutely bonkers about the like freedomy community. There's so many people talking about all the problems and they're right. talking about it on Instagram and they are sharing it and they aren't doing 
anything. And it makes me sick at night. I'm so worried because people convince themselves that worrying is an action step, that sharing about things. And like we, we do need information, yes. But like you said, you started to notice the trend and that's when you start taking action because it takes time. Um, yeah. You mentioned the insurance policy. You don't wait till you have cancer to then go look for the insurance policy. You get everything made in advance and set yourself up well so you can be free later. That's things that we, we've never been taught. Yeah. No, I mean, 100%. And, you know, I think there also comes a point, especially now, right? If you don't realize what's going on now, there's probably a good chance that you're, you're going to stay that way. I mean, I pray for people like that, that like mm -hmm. still their eyes will be opened um, and those seeds will be planted. But you and I both know that whatever you focus on expands and whatever you focus on, you attract. And so this is the importance of being in your power is to acknowledge and to recognize and to see and what is actually going on, take action from a place of empowerment and not out of desperation because you haven't made a plan and you've been stuck in this worry. And so therefore you've done nothing because it's essentially paralyzed you. And now you need something and you're making probably horrible decisions because they're last minute, they're scared, they're fear-based and you're not thinking straight. And so mm -hmm. that for me was like 2020, 2021, where it was like, and I went through my own phase of being like, I need to wake up everybody because that's the freedom fighter in me. It was like, how do you not know? How do you not see, you know? And probably in November of 2020, I went on a trip from here to Banff and went through San Lenarm and Kelowna. And that on that trip was my like reset for my heart to reground myself, to really, really have a face-to-face a -face of myself to say, it's not your responsibility, Shay. To wake people up it's not my responsibility is to just be love and light and just speak love and light in truth and whether i'm the waterer i'm the seed planter maybe i'm putting fertilizer whatever that is but it's not my job to wake you up that's mm -hmm. only in my opinion the big g's upstairs he's the one that's in the miracle life-changing business not me mm -hmm. i'm just like the tool <laughs> and so when you have that mindset shift or that reminder it takes a lot of that pressure off of being like I have to go on Instagram and tell everybody like what I just saw it's like no actually you don't you know and it's more empowering to share what solutions are you taking in your life what precautions what insurance policies what new business tactics are you doing whatever that is because that's actually more empowering mm. for a lot of people you know mm -hmm. than being in that worry and then you still haven't done anything. And then if shit hits the fan, I think when it hits the fan, it's like, now what, what are you going to do? Right. I agree. I have zero responsibility for people that aren't awake. And I also take zero responsibility for people that aren't willing to take action that already know. Um, I'm not dragging anybody up a hill with me. I, I don't chase anyone, whether that is someone that I want to talk to gold and silver about or a coaching client. I don't chase anyone. It's when yeah. you're ready, you can come to me and then my energy will be here helping you take the next steps. But there is zero, zero energy is exerted, dragging someone uphill, trying to convince someone 
Um, I don't, I don't have time for that. It's when you're ready, let me help you do the thing. But until then, I'm sorry, you're, you're on your own, especially at this point. Yeah, I agree. Big time. So I just did a podcast called 11 ways that you have been programmed to be poor. And it's based off of uh, a piece of writing by Steve Burns. And it's like another layer of the great awakening, right? Like, why haven't we been taught this in school? Why do we just think like work in 95, uh, get an RSP, that's the only way. So it's these 11 different points of why people have this poverty mindset, why they don't know how to actually make money. Um, That's clearly not you. How come Shay hasn't been programmed to be poor because you are investing, you are doing like maybe some risky investments too, you're looking at stocks. Um, How come you haven't been programmed to be poor? Was this all on your own? Did your parents give you this kind of upbringing? Like what's what's unique about you? I don't think anybody's ever asked me that. It's a good question. Um, You know, I was raised in, in an entrepreneurial home my, my dad was an entrepreneur, is an entrepreneur. My mom worked for Air Canada. So worked more in corporate, uh, you know, she was a flight attendant or in charge, I should say. And so I actually had both. I saw both growing up, but a lot of my upbringing was rooted in with my dad and this belief that whatever I put my mind to, it's possible. And it doesn't matter how big it is. And so I grew up with this, like, what are your dreams? Write those down. And basically then if I were to say it today, it would be like 10 exit, like whatever you're dreaming, dream it, but then dream bigger and then go for that, you know? And in a way, when you go for that bigger dream beyond what you were originally dreaming, you kind of can't fail because you'll probably fall somewhere in between. So that's kind of like, I grew up with a lot of that mentality. I also grew up in a very strong faith home where it was rooted in we're blessed to be a blessing. And with that, I also believe comes great responsibility. And so I, I, I grew up in a home where there was just no lack. We always gave and our needs were always met abundantly, you know? Mm -hmm. And I really felt that that was the philosophy and a core um, that by which we lived really everything. And so because that was my base and carrying it into adulthood, like that's, that's just in my DNA. It's just in my ethos of like how I think and knowing that there's always enough, there's always an abundance of, and there is no lack, um, and being able to change your mindset. And we all have human days. Like, I'm not like, you know, that's not how I always think, but I know how to bring myself back and the tools that I need to, to do to clear that negative thinking and to put myself back into that mindset of, of abundance. And from a younger age, you know, I, I started investing in real estate. Um, and so I really had like my money work, I'm going to say like for me at a younger age, Simultaneously, I I also started free them at the same time as I was getting into real estate. So I always had this uh, this mindset that you could make money with a purpose, and that money, the more money you had, the greater impact you could make. And that was my belief system. And I have to say, there was something more that I really learned. I looked at there was two brothers that were younger than me, or well, they were older than me, but they started younger than me at the time. Um, 
And I remember them being 12 or 13 years old when I read their story and I was like 17 and they were like going on to change the world. And so I was very convinced that age didn't have anything to do with it. I was convinced and I teach back then and still do now high school students that you don't need to wait till you're 40 or 50 or retired to make a difference in the world, but you can do that right now. Mm -hmm. And the beauty with children is if you tell them, they literally believe you and then they go and do the thing that they believe. And so because I was part of my story with my dad and then me kind of passing the baton and backwards, when I got into real estate with also freedom at the same time, I was like, the more money I make, the more good I can do and the more impact. And so money for me was never... Um, a dirty word, I'm going to say it was not something that I was like ashamed of, of having, I really saw it as as a tool that allowed me to the ability to because like, don't forget, freedom's volunteer based. So I wasn't making money from freedom, we raised funds, yes, like through our the organization. But in order for me to like grow freedom, and like do that work, I had to make money on the other side. You know, like I had to, had to do that. So I really, that was my driver. That was my passion. And it still is today. So much of what I do is driven through impact and not income, believing that the income will come when you're focused on, on the impact you leave on people and adding value into, into their lives. And so, yeah, I, I think, did I answer your question? <laughs> yeah, no, you did. Well, it's interesting, like you mentioned the kids, and I'm trying to navigate some challenging conversations with with my girls, because okay, you gave that quote from Hitler about people being programmed at a young age, the kids are being programmed to be poor and dependent, they're being groomed to believe that socialist uh, policies are the answers for the world's problems. Uh, the educational system has everyone passed through. Uh, they're not getting education on how to become entrepreneurs, how to invest. They're very much promoting socialism, poverty mm -hmm. mindset, dependency on big government. The kids are getting more and more dependent and no surprise, more and more apathetic, more and more depressed. So the, the challenging thing that I'm trying to navigate with my child, is she's a normal teenager, right? Just kind of wants to like sleep in, play on her phone, not like highly motivated at 14. I'm trying not to pass on my fears of the world to her sure. while also understanding the reality that it's um, you have to do really well in order to be able to buy a house one day. You have nurses in Canada not being able to afford a house. So I'm trying to get it in her mind that Okay, either you have to be very, very hardworking, or you got to go, you got to get good grades and go to university old school, or you have to be very, very motivated and take action and learn all these things by yourself. Um, it's not an option to slack at all in 2024. And I don't know what the right answer is. I want to be inspiring and hopeful, and you can do whatever you want, but I'm really trying to install the value, I guess, of, of, of hard work and agency because the schools are not doing that 100 yeah, percent. yeah yeah i definitely uh, i mean i agree with you big time with what's going on in the schools and you know we are so programmed 
to be sucked into that device. And the more that your head can be down in any device, they're winning. That's the way I look at it, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, because really when you can, when you, when you can bring in the mind where really the only dopamine and pleasure that is received is within a device. Mm -hmm. And then that becomes a new reality, which that's the whole metaverse. And that life is better. You look better your body is better, you have more friends, whatever it is, right? Within this non-existent reality, which feels like that, if you're not plugged into that quite literally, you then feel depressed and you feel this down that's going to drive you back in. And that's where then they start to bring you into that codependency and ownership you know, owning nothing and you'll be happy. And all you're going to want to do is be plugged into the, what we would call like the matrix, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it is a very scary reality. And I think the scariest is for parents and people that just really don't have any knowledge for what the actual agenda is. And as a conscious parent, something about being awake, it's like just being conscious. Like think of like when you grew up, as a kid, when we grew up as kids and like the idea of just going outside and playing, like go scrape your knees, go roll around in the dirt. Like, you know, kids don't do that as much anymore these days. And so as a, I think as a conscious parent, human, it's, and and I say that even if you're not a parent, like as an adult, it is so important that we're giving ourselves those, that balance, right. Mm -hmm. Where there is no screen time. And our brains have the opportunity to not be consuming, but just to be right. Mm -hmm. To just like replenish and like creativity coming back in imagination, coming back in like these things that most of us don't do anymore. Like I was listening to Brendan Burchard probably a couple of weeks ago and talking about time blocking on his calendar. And we're talking exactly about this, where we're so dialed into the phone that we're mentally exhausted because of how much we consume in a day. Mm -hmm. And the question is, when was the last time you really actually thought about something, not consumed something and your brain's going, because you're like, anytime you look at anything, your brain is reading it, analyzing it and coming up. It's, it is processing that data. But when was the last time you just sat And was like, I'm just going to sit in stillness and like have this download. And I'm just going to think, or like, maybe it's this podcast conversation where after you and I talk, you just go sit for 10 minutes and reflect on this, this idea, like what comes to you with no phone, no Instagram, no scrolling, no music, no distractions, just you and your thoughts. And that's such a scary thing for so many people because it's so foreign and he was, saying how, he was saying how this one guy that he was talking to about it literally has it time blocked in his calendar and it's called think time. Yeah. And Brendan makes this joke saying, well, what do you do then? And the guy like looked at him like, really, Brendan, like, what do I do then during think time? And it's like, he heard himself like, because we're so programmed otherwise these days. And so as a parent or as a conscious adult, even if you're not a parent, I think it is so important that we are creating that space because our livelihood is on this. Like I'm, I'm a realtor. I'm always on my phone. I'm never going to tell. And this was pre COVID. Like I'm always on my phone. 
right? But I also have boundaries and my phone does not run me. I run my phone. And so you've got to have parameters and boundaries in place with children, with yourself to make sure that you still do have that balance. And as a parent, I think it's really important to be explaining and communicating to a child as to why, you know, Mm -hmm. when children are just told to do something with no explanation, they don't want to do it. Right. Like, but when you empower your child to give them information and say, this is why, and now actually I'm handing it over to you, it's your decision. They not maybe right away, but eventually over time, they actually start making the right decisions for themselves because they understand why they're being told to do or to not do something. And it's, it's, it's so hard. Like we know these things, it, it is legit very addicting. I've started labeling it as evil. Like, you know, when you get stuck in the scroll hole, like it's evil, especially when I'm in a busy work season where I legitimately need to be on my devices a lot. And there's a lot of important messages that I need to answer when I'm on it a lot and have to be, you would think at the end of a day like that, I would want to break free. I actually get more stuck in it than ever, even though I don't really want to be there. And the practice for me is in like, yeah, I, I'm like, nope, that's evil. Like break the hypnosis. Yeah. Um, even last night, um, my my Lilith is home right now. She's sick and she's like, come color with me. And I'm like, okay, great. And I like take my phone, I put it in another room and I'm laying on the floor to just color with her. My immediate yeah. reaction, immediately I'm like, I'm bored. And I'm like, stay, just stay. Yeah. Is that yeah, that is yeah. the reaction our, our phones are so stimulating boredom is yeah, the initial yeah. response we start looking we want to multitask even like people can't even watch a movie but then the longer i stay the more i start getting into reality and i think we right. did like we did this whole complicated color i think we were there for like an hour and i was spending some really good time with oh. her but it took time for me to break sure. my own hypnosis from the day to get into the zone to realize oh this is not boring. This is lovely. This is special. We're connected, but it did take discipline to stay there at first. And I think that's that, that little bit at the beginning is what people don't stick, stick through, right? Like 10 minutes of silence. There's no way I could do that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's true. Yeah. So you do real estate in Toronto, but also Costa Rica. What A is special about Costa Rica? Like you said, it was more free. And then from like an investor's place, why do people want to be looking at it right now? Because when Dan and I used to travel to that area, it was way before Costa Rica was a thing. When we went to Santa Teresa, there were four buildings. There were just dirt roads. Nobody was there. It's very, very different now. It's very expensive. Is it still a good place to invest in? Uh, The simple answer to that is yes, it still is. Um, Costa Rica is from a real estate standpoint, it's still very approachable. There are certain pockets, even within Santa Teresa that you mentioned, that have definitely skyrocketed. You've got like Giselle and Tom Brady have their place there and Mel Gibson has a place there. So like there's definitely like the areas that are going to be unaffordable for a lot of people. But there's still opportunities within communities like that uh, to be able to get into the market and then in so many different parts of the country. You know, you can still enter in. I tell people you really need like between four and five hundred thousand USD to get something that's 
more than just decent that you're not needing to like fix up. And because everything down there for the most part is cash, you're not leveraging off of a mortgage to purchase a place to then have that extra equity that you would use to renovate. Right. Mm -hmm. So like if you only have 400,000, let's say typically you would have put a mortgage down and you take part of that down payment and then that extra capital and you could renovate. Well, if you're looking at a place that's 400,000 or 500,000, it's still cash is cash. So it kind of like works out. It's like, you're still going to just need that cash. So I say a budget between four and 500,000. The amazing thing because of how many Americans and Canadians have been literally flocking <laughs> to Costa Rica over the past two years, um, the banks there and even the government has changed a lot of the requirements to be eligible for residency, if that's something that's of interest to people. So it's it's much more uh, lenient than it was previous. And then the banks and some private lenders as well has started to provide financing for Canadians and Americans. Uh, usually the max is a 50% loan to value, meaning like you're only getting a 50% mortgage. So you'd still need 50% of the down payment. So not as favorable as what, you know, Canadians and Americans are used to. Sometimes it's even 5% only that you need down in the States or in Canada. Um, but 50% still goes a long way. So that has now opened up what I call like the second wave of interest for people who are, who have been looking in Costa Rica that maybe didn't have 500,000, but had 250, you know, mm -hmm. or 200. And now there's, there's uh, more options to make it viable for them. And we're still, there's so much land, there's so much room for development. There's so much development happening there. Uh, the real big wealth is also coming into the country, which from an investor standpoint, you do want to see that taking place. So, you know, if you're just strictly looking at numbers and looking for an ROI and appreciation, Costa Rica, you know, is just continuing and it's just at its infancy in the past like two years. So I really believe with the development and if you're looking like 10 years out as an investor, it, you're going to have really great appreciation if you buy in the right location. That's always the number one rule in real estate, location, location, location. Uh, but then you should also yield really good cash flow as well from the rental options. Like it's February 7th or like February here right now. And like, I, you know, I have people in my place down in Costa Rica and there'll be down people there basically till April booking in. So there's, there's great opportunity for real estate there. So it's still potentially in its infancy. Oh, yeah. So people might be hearing these. Sorry, I have disgusting bulldog noises in the background. <laughs> Um, so yeah, they're hearing, oh, four, 500,000, that's a lot of money, but like this place is turning into like Whistler of the South. Yeah. There's so many people going that way. Um, those yeah. properties could be worth millions of dollars eventually, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like hundred percent, you know, I, and there, again, there's other ways, like if you are limited with like upfront capital, then buy something that's pre-construction because then you're putting down a deposit structure and you're not putting all of that money up front. Right. So you're putting 5% down on signing, then maybe another 5% in 60 days or 180 days. And then you're working your way up to the balance on closing, which could be three years out from now. So mm -hmm. that can be a great entry point. The other thing that is common we're seeing is friends getting together with each other to purchase a place you know because if it's not going to be a primary resident and it is your escape 
Maybe it's an escape plan. Maybe it's a rental property. It's an investment property. Maybe it's all of it. But if you're not moving, moving there, then consider teaming up with a couple of friends to put in that capital. And then you work out how many weeks of the year do you want to use it? You know, are we just using it for a rental property? But there's ways to get creative and get your foot in the door so that you can buy and own a little piece of paradise is, you know, what I always say. I'm so curious what it looks like. I haven't been there in so long. We keep, oh we keep my God. You'll still recognize it, but so much has changed. <laughs> but the dirt roads have not changed at all. The dust has not changed at all. <laughs> okay. So, that's funny. Yeah. Well, it's appealing because it has the option of immigrating there. I would personally like to have money in another country right now yeah. as well. So we've been, we've been looking at El Salvador. We've been looking yeah. at some others. Oh my goodness. If I close the door, he cries outside because he's blind. But then if he's in here, he just, sorry, everyone listening. Oh. That's not me or Shay. That is Frank. Yeah, in the back. <laughs> so funny. So we have a few different ways to like create more freedom for ourselves financially. The first part is education. Uh, property is always valuable. M my husband and I are very much of the mindset that we want physical assets. So we have quite a few rental properties. Um, I like that you're looking at, at, at stocks as well. I have a little bit of crypto, but I don't know how I feel about it. I'm, I'm learning more and more about it. Um, but the other thing that you and I do together is, is gold and silver. Why, why do you believe that that is, uh, important for people to pay attention to right now? Um, well, I mean, forever, really, gold has always been the common denominator. It's been the standard for trading around the world. You know, it's it's the one commodity that we base everything off of. And it is partly why it's called God's money. I believe inherently it's it's an unlimited resource that doesn't man can't control and that is also part of why, you know, it is, it's labeled as such. And no matter where you go in the world, your currency might be looked at differently or might hold a different value, but you'll always be able to use something like gold and silver as a means to trade or to barter and to have exchange. And so when you look at what's happening right now with our currency and the fact that you know, fiat currency, which is the paper money that you and I both know it to be, is not backed by anything. And it has been taken off of what's called the gold standard for a very long time, which most people, and this is like where it hurts, I think, most people just don't even know that. When you say like the currency isn't backed by gold or the gold standard, they go, what is that? You know, and so or it's like, even, yeah. Or they don't want to invest in it because it's risky or it's unsafe. I'll just put my money in a bank and they have no idea how unsafe the bank is right now. Yeah. Well, and that was like one of the biggest wake up calls last year, right? Like if you that for, and I continue to bring that up to people, it's like if you don't believe anything else, if you don't see anything else, see that a free nation froze bank accounts because they did not agree with who you donated your money to on what planet is that ever okay in a free world it's not you know and again and to to your point 
you know, a lot of people don't realize that the cash, the, the numbers they see in their phone is not actually sitting in their bank account. You know, like if you go to your bank account to withdraw, you know, everybody has different limits and structures, but like, let's say like you wanted to pull out a hundred grand today, you would not be able to do that. That cash is not sitting in your bank account and it's being literally loaned out multiple times over. And so if you ever did need it and we all needed it, you, mm -hmm. there would be a lot of people showing up, freaking out because their cash is not there. And so when you think of just even that, never mind the fact that the government decided whether or not you'd have access to your own money based on their opinion as to how you should spend it or who you donate it to, that should cause concern. And that has nothing to do with conspiracy theory. That has nothing to do with even COVID. That has nothing to do with you know everything else that could be influential factors in the world. When you just look at those facts alone, that should cause you to go, whoa, I need to be doing something different. I need to make sure that not all my eggs are in one basket, one bank account, even, you know, like that's also not a bad idea. Like if you're too freaked out, maybe to bring your money outside of Canada, understand that, but highly recommend you do that. You know, even just having some money in different bank accounts because or different banks, because some of their policies are different at the end of the day, they're all kind of run by the same thing anyways. But you you have to be thinking around that. Like, how are you securing your assets? And that for me has always been why having a portion of my my money in precious metals, you know, and it's that diversification of your portfolio because one Oftentimes when one is performing very well, one is underperforming. And if that ever changes, you're, you're able to rely on at least one strong leg within your portfolio, whether that's stocks, you mentioned crypto, you know, precious metals, art collections, uh, real estate, of course, you know, there's different assets that you want to have in your portfolio that are holding value and are performing assets. Um, and so that in the event that one becomes weak, you have other solutions, not that you're only relying on one, one type of asset, no different than having multiple streams of revenue, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is why you and I are involved is partly why we're involved in 7k, but it's also partly why we have, we have different business revenue streams so that if one is dipping or slow, you can rely on something else coming in, hopefully, <laughs> you know, that's, that's the goal. Multiple places to put your money, but also multiple people to learn from, because I yeah. think it's a mistake to just choose one voice. So definitely, I think it's a mistake what most people will do, they'll walk into the Royal Bank or whoever they bank with and talk to uh, an, an investment banker. And I, I don't trust that advice. However, you know, like they won't even acknowledge like what's going on in the economy because of their what people don't realize about those people is that they work for the bank, they sell for the bank, think of them as their salesmen for the bank. So they're not actually going to tell you that there's problems. Um, but I do like I will listen to everyone. So I like to source my information from a few different places, you'll start to see trends on your own. Um, yeah. This is all gambling, right? So I will listen to the people that are super doomsday, like this one lady I can think of, and she's like, liquidate everything and buy farmland in Costa Rica and get out of here. 
It's terrifying. And then I'll listen to people that um, are in uh, the oil and gas financial sector, like really pretty rooted kind of awake, not really. I'll like listen to them, like they're not really worried about things. You know, I, I spread out who I listen to as well to make sure that I, I don't want to be in an echo chamber when it comes to money. Um, if you do that for yourself, you will start to see trends. You will find who you need to trust. Um, yeah, that that 100% is an important thing. So like what you said, you got to put it in different pockets because, yeah, none of us have a crystal ball. In fact, don't listen to the people that are like, this is the way. I don't listen to those people. Like there's a, a Bitcoin person that I know. She, this is the way. There is no other way. It's only this. I immediately know not to listen to that person because okay. there there's a sense of like narcissism there. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know what's going to happen. Maybe nothing. Maybe yeah. lots yeah. of things. Totally. So different pockets, different yeah. plans. Well, and it's just simply actually not true. Like there's not just only one way when it comes to money, making money, right? Like, so anybody that's giving you an absolute, like it, that's just not true. Like that to me is not sound advice. Mm-hmm. You know, one might perform better than the other. You can say that. But, you know, you're going to, you're still, if you're, if you know enough, you learn enough, you should be able to make enough with each of those diversifications within a portfolio, right? Like those different classes, but to put all of your eggs in one basket or to say only do this, or this is the only way. I mean, that's just, that's just not true. (laughs) Out of everything though, gold and silver is the safest. It might not skyrocket the way that other things can that are riskier investments. So you also don't want to put everything there either, but it feels the safest just to me personally, because it is a substance that is valuable, that will always be valuable. It's not just valuable because of the market. It's not just valuable because someone assigned a value to it. They act, they need it for everything, especially this technological revolution. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, for me, that's like one of the, it's actually, it's funny. I started acquiring silver before I started acquiring gold for that very reason, because silver is still cheaper than gold and silver is used much more broadly in the world for everything. Our cell phones, computers, like, you know, car parts, like it's, it's used a lot more than it is gold. So when I think of like investment strategy and longevity, Mm -hmm. um, because of the usage of it, you know, there's a, there's a strong potential for, uh, that to continue to just increase in its value. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's not just about jewelry or turning it into money as an, as a means for exchange, but it's actually a resource that we rely on in order to actually live in this day-to-day life. So yeah, it's uh, it's important actually that you said that. What would you say to this person? Like people might be listening to this and think, oh, like luxury real estate or like buying gold, like that must be nice. What would you say to the people that don't have anything really extra to work with? So they, they just end up checking out. I know there's a lot of people, they're just like, oh, well, this conversation isn't for me because I'm not sitting on a pile of money. What would, what kind of um, motivation, hope, action steps would you give to the person that has very little to invest right now? Knowing that I know you're not an investment uh, 
drawing a blank on, on the term, but, but what, what would you do right now personally, if you, you had very little to work with knowing that you were entrepreneurial, knowing that you are an investor, what would you do if you had very little? Well, okay. So there's a few things when I think about like gold and silver, it's actually one of the things I loved about seven K and in no ways is this like a pitch, you know, I'm simply, this is actually why I, I was intrigued by 7k. Um, I invest, I have, I have, um, I shared, you know, I have, uh, precious metals already in Canada and the company that I've gone through before, they have a minimum threshold of $10,000. So you need 10 grand to purchase gold or silver in order to just qualify. Well, most people don't have just $10,000 sitting around for a rainy day, right? Like in case mm-hmm. shit happens. And so that is what I find one of the biggest barriers of entry for people who are wanting to acquire gold and silver is one, they don't know where to get it and like who to trust. Like, how do you know that the gold is actually pure gold? How do you know your silver is actually pure silver? You know, that's that's a barrier. But then the second was that threshold of having a minimum. And that for me is what I actually really liked about 7K was it is a simple, not even come as you are, just come with what you have. If you only have $10, then you can start to acquire fractional gold or silver. You can work your way up. You can also change the budget every month. So if you have a great month and you want to acquire more that month, you can do that. And you're not, you're not required to have a same monthly minimum spend to acquire more gold and silver. So I just found it was a very flexible and very palatable approach to getting into this segment of um, the market that for so long has been limited to an upper tier group of people. And Mm -hmm. so, like I said, whether you have $1, $100 or $1,000, you can start now and little by little, eventually that's going to have some type of compound effect. You know, so I would say looking down that route and then, you know, even on the real estate side there, if you just start asking questions around, like, who could I partner with? How can I enter the market? And talking to a realtor in your area, they might have some creative solutions for you here in Canada. For example, um, we have, it's pretty incredible. There some of the products that are coming out that if you only have 50% of the down payment, there's different criterias and I'm happy to connect with anybody offline to go more into detail about it. But there's a product that was developed to see people who are stuck in the rent rat game and can't save enough to save enough to for that down payment in order to get into real estate, to acquire the real estate. And so there's a product out there that it, the requirement, as long as you have a minimum of 5% saved, they will provide you with the rest of it. So mm. typically in Ontario, right, you need 20% down as a payment, but if you only have 5% saved, they will give you the other uh, 15% that you need. And then that's your ownership structure as well. So mm. if it's, they give you 90%, then they own 90% of the asset. If they give you 50%, then they own 50% of the asset. And then you go into the house and then as it appreciates over time and you sell it, when you sell it, whatever the ratio is, whatever that split was, that's the profit for them. That's the profit for you. You're responsible for the carrying costs. So no different than your rent, right? Like what you would be doing, you take care of the carrying costs. 
But this is a product that many people don't know is available to them here in Ontario. And it's because most people don't ask the question, like, yeah. how can I get into real estate? How can I acquire real estate? And so that is what I would encourage people to, to start doing, you know, whether if you're in Ontario, you can reach out to me. I also have realtors I work with literally all over the world. So whether you're like in Carla's quite literal neck of the woods, or you're on like the West coast in BC, you know, I have, I have affiliates that I work with everywhere um, that could happily put you in touch with a very good agent in your area that could help answer some of these questions for you and share some of these type of products that are available that most people don't realize are. I love that. Yeah. So start asking the questions, actually commit to learning about these things, like put it in your calendar. Like I talk with my community about putting a weekly money date and it's in the calendar and we call it a date instead of budgeting or admin. So it's a, it starts to sound a little, a little sexier. Romance. Fun. Yes, <laughs> but it is, it is. And especially if you are in a precarious position, you want to start sooner than any, anyone, because we really, you, you mentioned the compound effect. Um, people don't realize how powerful small actions are. So there's a lot of people thinking, well, I don't, I don't have enough right now but you're negating the compound effect in the same way that so many people don't look at their spending if you really looked at your spending and yeah. you saw how many subscriptions you had how oh. many nail appointments hair appointments trips to the beer store whatever it was amazon hello amazon. if you added that stuff up and really looked at it and said do i really need that do i really want that what if i took that hundred dollars and instead of spending it on something consumable, I put it into silver. What would that look like a year from now, five years from now, 10 years mm -hmm. from now? And I, th I think that's a great message to leave people with here today is the, the compound effect is powerful and it can go in either directions. So pay attention to your money, money in, money out, but definitely, um, getting ahead of the things that may or may not happen in the future, right? Starting, starting today, starting yesterday. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree. Shay, where can people find you if they want to, uh, connect with you about real estate? They want to know about silver and gold. They want to find out more about freedom. Is there like a hub? Yeah, I would say the easiest is Instagram. Shane Vidiata is my handle across all socials actually, but Instagram's my main my main jam and my jams are always open. So I'd love to connect with you in there and right there. My handles for NVIDIA Realty Freedom is all in my profile. So just start at Shay NVIDIA. That's the easiest and look forward to connecting over there. Amazing. Thank you, Shay. We'll see you next Thanks time. If you like this week's episode, if you have questions for Shay, all of her information is going to be in the show notes and please go there anyways, because I want you to see Kristen Nagel's give, send, go link. Please, please, please. $5. If you can share that link with everyone that, you know, share it on your socials. I think we have a real chance here to create a massive ripple effect. You're going to hear this talked about on other podcasts. You're going to hear it all over social media let's show them who's boss. If you like what we do here over at The Sovereign CEO, please consider giving us a five-star review. If you like this episode, share it to your stories, tell a friend. I really appreciate you guys. That's how we get um, this podcast out to people so they can hear it. 
Thanks as always, my friends, and I will see you for next week's show.